0: Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy football. Draft your team with no in-season management. Get the optimal score each week of the season and have a shot at over $10 million in total prize money in their Best Ball Mania 3 contest. Head on over to underdogfantasy.com or the App Store, sign up with promo code FSE, and Underdog is going to match your first deposit up to $100. Again, Underdog Fantasy. Sign up with promo code FSE and draft your Best Ball Mania 3 team today. What's happening, y'all? Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Danny and Bush coming at you with our top 10 redraft wide receivers. Yesterday, you guys would have seen our top 10 running back rankings. Today, we're going over our top 10 Redraft wide receiver rankings. Uh, in this video, we're going to break down some strategy points for how to handle this position in redraft. These is like our, our early look at it and some guys that we're targeting early in underdog drafts. If you guys want to take this advice straight into the action, straight into Best Ball Mania 3, which is going live fast and furious right now, make sure to use the promo code FSE at sign up and first deposit. You'll get 100% back on whatever you put in, and you'll also get our Dynasty Rankings Manifesto for free and our Redraft Rankings Manifesto for free, which will be dropping this weekend. So with that, all that being said, Danny,
1: how are you doing? Doing well, uh I kind of got out of my com- comfort zone yesterday. You know, had to talk about running backs, which... You know, if you guys watch FSC, you'll know I'm not too comfortable talking about running backs, but right back in my comfort area, talking about some wide receivers, talking about some guys that could legitimately win you weeks, legitimately win you leagues with their sheer target potential, with their sheer potential for output this year. So I'm excited. I'm ready to roll projecting some of the top wide receivers that should be dominating fantasy football for 2022. For sure.
0: So uh, before we get into it, make sure if you guys enjoy this video at any point, if you feel like you received some value from us, hit the like button, comment any of your thoughts down below as well, and subscribe to the channel if you are new. But with that being said, let's hit the intro. Okay. So as we did for the running backs video, we're going to just talk about some quick strategy points on wide receivers. If you guys want to skip ahead to the actual players, there's timestamps along the scroll bar and in the description as well. Some quick strategy points for how to handle wide receivers in redraft and best ball drafts, whatever you guys are doing. I think a lot of people have the misconception to fade the wide receiver position because you can get good wide receivers later is usually the, the rationale that people have, but you can't get good running backs later. But in my opinion, there's 15 to 20 every year, really, that have very, very high ceilings, so I typically like to secure a few of those guys before rounds four to five, so I'm not necessarily a guy that likes to go, you know, robust RB or hero RB or zero RB necessarily. I usually take like a, uh, like a balanced approach. Sometimes I'll end up with one running back in the first four rounds. Sometimes I have two, but for the most part, I do end up with a decent amount of wide receivers, and uh, number two would be if you're thinking of going safe at running back, so let's say you get on the board and you're like, hey, I don't want to take you know, Cam Akers or something because he's risky. I'm going to take Nick Chubb instead because he's a lot safer going safe at that. Like in the early rounds means that you should draft more wide receivers, not necessarily that you should take running backs that don't have high ceilings because the risk of injury for wide receivers is significantly less. Hence why the zero RB uh, strategy was even created in the first place. And the situation uh, around a wide receiver is usually less affected by a quarterback injury or something like that than it is for a running back because Um, The offense usually gets a lot worse. Therefore, the running back uh, suffers production wise. And then the final tip uh, that we have strategy points for the wide receiver position is that the ADP for wide receivers usually plays out this way. And this is the way I like to handle the position. The first few rounds are the known studs, the Cooper Cups, the Justin Jeffersons, the guys that we know are going to be great, usually attached to good offenses and good quarterbacks. Rounds three to five is usually where the RB dead zone is and where you don't want to be taking running backs. They're usually good wide receivers with decent ceilings, but maybe they have a question mark or two. And then round six to 10 are usually like the breakout candidates, the... Uh, Maybe the veterans that are, you know, a little cast asides because they got injured or something like that. For me, I like to get my majority of my wide receivers before round 10, because I think historically dart throws are better suited at running back, tight end and quarterback than they are at wide receiver. Because I think for the most part, we're better at evaluating which wide receivers are good breakout candidates, which wide receivers are, you know, better to take in the early rounds. Because I, I don't think we're at the point like we might have been five, six, seven years ago where we're letting good breakout candidates fall around 11, 12, 13.
1: Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that because, I mean, the way I think about it and the way, uh, you know, we've been stressing on the channel, targets are earned, carries are given. So when we're talking about, you know, potential wide receiver breakouts, young receivers that can maybe take a next step, maybe be, you know, solid contributors this year. That's more easy to spot, in my opinion, because you can just see, are they good at football and can they command targets for the wide receiver position? And quite frankly, there's no such thing as a wide receiver handcuff because Cooper Cup gets hurt. Dan Jefferson is not assuming a 10 target per game role on the Rams offense. The exact opposite can be seen for the or can be said for the running back position. Opportunity is the main allure to running backs. Cause as good of a running back is, it is very dependent on the offensive line. It is very dependent on the offensive situation. It's very dependent on uh overall uh the amount of sheer volume that they can get. And quite frankly, if Cam Akers missed time, Daron Henderson's a top 15 running back. If Dalvin Cook missed time, Alexander Madison's a top 15 running back. So the basis of being, you know hyper fragile at the running back position and loading up on stud wide receivers is knowing from a replaceability standpoint that, again, running backs are fragile and a backup running back is way more likely to be fantasy prominent than a wide receiver four type is to be fantasy prominent.
0: Right. Because a couple of years ago, maybe a guy like Rashad Bateman this year goes in round nine, 10, 11 of a fantasy draft. We're Because of sites like underdog, very sharp ADP, we're getting guys they're getting pushed up the board because people know that they're good breakout candidates and the same can be said for other positions as well. So um, that's kind of the strategy portion of this video. Again, if you guys skipped ahead to this part, this is where we talk about the actual top 10 rankings. Number one should come as no surprise. It's Cooper cup wide receiver from the Los Angeles Rams currently going off the board as the wide receiver. One second overall pick on underdog fantasy drafts right now. We don't need to spend too much time on Cooper cup. The case is very simple for him. He had an elite 31.7% target share in 2021. He's still attached to Matthew Stafford. Yeah, they bring in Allen Robinson, but I expect Cooper Cup to still dominate the targets in this offense. Could he regress a little bit from the massive 1950-yard performance, 16 touchdowns that he had last year? Absolutely. I I probably would say it's far-fetched for anybody to be projected for that kind of ceiling, but the elite ceiling still exists at this position for Cooper Cup because especially in full PPR leagues, he has 120, 130, and last year 140-plus reception upside
1: yeah with Cooper Cup I mean expecting any player in fantasy football to replicate the sheer dominance that he had we're talking about the second highest best ball win rate of all time behind Kershing McCaffrey's 2019 season that is what Cooper Cup was able to give you this past year arguably the best wide receiver season we have seen of the modern era sure you know he can regress but this is a 26 point per game type of score last year Even if he regresses, the 25-30% regression still lets him way past the 20-point-per-game type of barrier that we look for from an elite wide receiver. Maybe he's not a lock to be the number one overall wide receiver, which his last season would indicate, but if he finished outside of the top two or three receivers next year, I would be heavily shocked, given the target share, given the offensive insulation, given his ability to score touchdowns. Cooper Cup is flat out good at football, and Matthew Stafford's not going to faint from that anytime soon.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Outside of injury, I don't see a way that Cooper cup disappoints people. The only thing I would say for me is I'm going to take a couple of the running backs ahead of Cooper cup at the very top of the draft board. I would rather have Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey. You can make the argument for Najee Harrison, Derek Henry, who we talked about at the top uh, yesterday. But for the most part, I think to me, just second overall is just expecting what he did last year versus Uh, taking a guy like Christian McCaffrey over him. So uh, let's move on to the next wide receiver, who I think you could definitely make the case should be the number one wide receiver in fantasy this year. Uh, In Justin Jefferson, wide receiver two off the board, fourth overall pick on underdog fantasy.
1: Justin Jefferson is just basically the new version, the reinvented version of what we saw from Odell Beckham Jr. a couple years ago, only he may be even better than what Odell Beckham was his first two years. He has the most receiving yards of a first and second year receiver combined of all time. You got that right. Of all time, Justin Jefferson is an absolute stud. He's just so impressive of a player. And the step that he took from his first to second year, again, in a super impressive first year, he was able to build off those numbers. You can you guys can see his reception perception numbers this past year, but basically absolutely dominant on all routes apart from the flat there. And his sheer... Separation numbers are amongst the elites of the elite in the NFL 94th percentile against man, 91st percentile against zone, and 96th percentile against press after posting 87th, 76th, and 96th, respectively, against man, zone, and press in his rookie season. He improved off an already historically dominant rookie year uh, going into last year. And now we're talking about the fact that. He is entering the best offensive situation of his career. You guys can see the tweet on the screen, but Hayden Winks, our, our good friend over at Underdog Fantasy, actually tweeted this out You know, a few months ago, but he said that the Vikings have been 17th and 26th in neutral pace and 16th and 26th in neutral pass rate since 2020. Kevin O'Connell's offense in each of the last two years has ranked in the top 12. If anybody's going to assume the Cooper Cup level breakout It's going to be the superstar level third year wide receiver who just posted some of the best separation numbers we have seen in the NFL. I would not be shocked in the slightest to say that Justin Jefferson has 190, 195 targets, 18, 1900 yards and 12 plus touchdowns in his range of outcomes, which would quite literally make him a league winner on his own and arguably put him in that 25 plus percent. Best ball win rate area if he was able to hit the ceiling, which I think is a real, real possibility. We're not just talking about ceiling. We're talking about something that maybe we can't expect, but is realistic, which you can't say about many other players, period.
0: Yeah, exactly. I have no problem spending a top, you know, five, six pick on him. If you're worried about Najee Harris, the offense, the you know, offensive line, all that kind of stuff. If you're worried about Derrick Henry, the aging running back, just just take Justin Jefferson. Just take Cooper Cup. One of these two guys, they are going to be very, very good for fantasy, especially if you guys play in a full PPR league.
1: Near 29% target share as a second-year wide receiver, Justin Jefferson is ready to explode and take that talent take that situation take that output to the next step and potentially i mean he's got best receiver in this decade range of outcomes in his talent level
0: yeah he could he could have the best ball win rate all time season right like he yes. might even though he's going as high as he's going in the top 5 overall picks if he has a 27 point per game type of season He's one of only a few receivers that has that in his range of outcomes, like you said. So another guy, obviously former teammate of Justin Jefferson at LSU, Jamar chase wide receiver three for us wide receiver three off the board in underdog fantasy fifth overall pick on underdog fantasy uh obviously the case is pretty simple for him too top 5 in fantasy points per game as a rookie not a lot of rookies can do that in their first season 128 targets as a rookie which isn't you know a crazy number but Justin Jefferson himself jumped from 128 targets to 167 targets in his second season once you're a full-time player second year in the NFL the number one receiver and the big play threat from a great quarterback like Joe Burrow a guy that we all expect to be you know in the running for an MVP caliber season then there's, you know, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and all that stuff that people are going to concern themselves with with Jamar Chase. But I think for the most part, that stuff is irrelevant. Those guys fall in line behind Jamar Chase. He is the number one receiver of this offense and an offense that could improve this year, right? 30th ranked offense and pace of play last year were the Cincinnati Bengals. They ran a slow. Snails paced offense, and it's not like any of the coaching staff has changed or anything. But I think the difference with what could happen from last year to this year is that Joe Burrow coming off of an ACL tear last year, they didn't necessarily know what to expect this year. He just led them to a Super Bowl appearance. They are going to give him the keys to the castle league average pass rate this past year. They could see this number jump similar to what we saw with the Buffalo Bills, as I mentioned in the dynasty video. From, you know, a 550 pass attempt type of team to a 700 (laughs) pass attempt type of team because they have full, they give Joe Burrow full autonomy, full um, range to control this offense. And Jamar Chase will obviously be the biggest beneficiary of that.
1: Yeah, and just if you're watching this, take into account that NFL teams don't think like we do. They don't think, oh, you know, Tyler Boyd's there. You know, T. Higgins is a good player, so he can earn targets in his own right. Oh, you know, uh, Hayden Hurst is there. You know, Chris Evans is there. They don't think about target competition. They think Jamar Chase is that X receiver facing press coverage with no safety help. I'm throwing him the football. Joe Burrow sees Jamar Chase one-on-one. He's getting the football. And with Jamar Chase, it's simple. You're betting on young ascending talent, taking that next step from a sheer target share role. And the fact of the matter, I mean, 128 targets to wide receiver already is no slouch. And you saw that jump from his LSU teammate. Again, I hate making that parallel because what they did in college doesn't mean what they will do in the pros. But we saw Jamar Chase just beat Justin Jefferson's rookie season this past year. I mean, Jamar Chase's range of outcomes could still be a 17, 1800 yard 160 plus target wide receiver and arguably the best wide receiver in football, given his talent level and given that quarterback that's chucking him the rock.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not hard to squint and say that J- uh, Jamar chase could finish as the wide receiver one in fantasy this year. And it could be as big of a gap as we saw from Cooper cup last year. Like it would not be shocking if he had a 15 plus touchdown season, big plays galore. Cause people are going to talk about regression with that and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, when you're as good as Jamar Chase, I'm just going to bet on the player, and uh, it's pretty simple for me to do that. But
1: either way, let's get into the next player. Our consensus tied for wide receiver four, my wide receiver four, your wide receiver five. That is Devontae Adams, the guy that's been dominating fantasy football for realistically the last four years. He's averaged over 20 PPR points per game in three of his last four years, and to put it simply, according to Matt Harmon, he is the premier separator in the NFL. You guys can see his reception perception right on the screen right now, but He's basically just a lead at every row and overall was near 99th percentile. You're talking 98, 96th, and 99th across the board in man zone and So it does not matter for Devonte Adams, the situation he is in, he is going to be able to separate. Yes. Losing a rod hurts to a degree. Again, if he was still on the Packers, if he was still getting passes from Aaron Rodgers, you can make the case that he could be 101 this year. He's genuinely that level of talent. He's genuinely that level of target commander. Uh, but ignoring an elite player that commands, again, this elite target share we've seen 28, 29, 30 plus percent target shares in each of the last four years, ignoring that just because he's a Raider now and what should still be an efficient offense that can put points up on the board with Derek Carr, who maybe isn't Aaron Rodgers, definitely isn't Aaron Rodgers, but he is no slouch in his own right. He is the easiest smash one two turn pick I have seen in so long, especially with the running back landscape. Devontae Adams should not be available at that one two turn, 110, 111, 112 area. In my opinion, he's more so a 106, 107 type of player.
0: Between these four wide receivers and the next guy that I'm going to talk about in a second, I think all five of those wide receivers are going to end up in my top 10 overall players with a couple running backs mixed in here and there because like I kind of talked about with Dalvin cook yesterday, if I get on the board and like Dalvin cooks, the best running back on the board, I'm just going to pick one of these guys because yes. they are way safer. I can get good running back talent in the second, third and fourth round this year, especially with some of those young guys. So yeah, I'm definitely going to uh, be getting a lot of Devonte Adams, the guy that, I mean that trophy behind me, I had him on item on both teams, both of the times that I won my, my home league, I had Devonte Adams and I also won him in our listener league too. Yeah, so no. uh, yeah, Devonte Adams has definitely been kind to me the last two years. Um, But let's move on to the next guy, Stephon Diggs, wide receiver four, eighth overall on underdog fantasies. My wide receiver four, like you said, your wide receiver five. I can make the case for Diggs to be even ahead of Jamar Chase, really, at wide receiver three. In what was a down season for Stephon Diggs, he posted 16.8 PPR points per game, which was good for the wide receiver nine. You could tell just by watching Diggs, he was like completely the focus of defenses playing against the Buffalo Bills. They took him completely out of games and they handled him just a little bit. But the sheer stability of being the number one wide receiver for Josh Allen And a quarterback, again, that we expect to be an MVP candidate on one of the most pass-heavy offenses in the NFL for a player that is as good as Stephon Diggs as well. It's just too good for me to pass up in the late first round of most drafts. We've seen this guy command a 29% target share in 2020 in this bill's offense and dominate targets with back-to-back seasons of over 160. I think, again, when if you're looking for a safe pick, a guy that's not going to bust for you in round one, Stephon Diggs is the easiest guy to, to go for, and he has a big ceiling to boot given the offense that he plays. And if Josh Allen has an outlier touchdown percentage, throws 54 touchdowns this year, Stephon Diggs is going to have double-digit touchdowns as a lock.
1: It actually boggles my mind that some people were are taking like Dalvin Cook over Devontae Adams Stephon Diggs. You're getting, as we kind of said with the nature of the running back position, a much higher floor with these stud wide receivers. Not to mention the fact that Dalvin Cook was not a difference making running back last year. And even in a down year from Stephon Diggs, Stephon Diggs still outproduced a guy like Dalvin Cook. So realistically, like, we should not be letting these wide receivers fall to the range they are because our goal in fantasy football is to score fantasy points. You are directly passing on players that will score more fantasy points and have higher ceilings with these wide receivers and the running backs making that argument in this range. Stephon Diggs is a stud. I have no problem ranking him in the top five. And to put it simply, the fact that you can stack up Devontae Adams and Stefan Diggs at some turns, just it doesn't make sense. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it, re- it reminds me a couple of years ago, the guy who won my home league uh, smashed DeAndre Hopkins and Michael Thomas at the turn in 2019, the year that Michael Thomas had the massive season. So Hopkins is wide receiver two, right? Exactly. Like those yeah. two guys it, you can get just because everybody was hammering running backs. Like that's why you don't do that, right? Like that's exactly why you don't hammer running backs. The goal of fantasy football is to score more points than your opponent on a weekly basis in a standard redraft league and in a best ball league as well. The fact that people are just taking running backs because they want to have a better running back core than other people, it's not how you win a championship. You win by scoring more points than your opponent. Stephon Diggs helps you accomplish that goal. Right. So uh, let's get on to the next guy. We have a uh, couple homer picks for our next two. I'll let you yeah. take it away with your wide receiver six, a uh, guy who plays for your Dallas Cowboys.
1: Yeah. And uh, to to be honest, I mean, it, it's funny because your guy is your wide receiver six, my guy's my wide receiver six. And then we each have them flip flop. So, see, Lamb, my wide receiver six, your wide receiver seven. And It's funny because, I mean, the common narrative around CeeDee Lamb is that he was disappointing as a second-year player, which validly so from a pure, pure overall output standpoint, I can definitely see. But it was, to put it simply, a season of two halves for Lamb and that Cowboys offense as a whole. But you guys can see up until that Atlanta game where, you know, Atlanta game was really the last game that we saw the offense looking like it was fully, fully clicking. CeeDee Lamb up until that point was legitimately a league-winning top five level wide receiver 18 ppr points per game 8.89 targets per game and nearly 83 receiving yards per game not to mention again an offense that was humming nearly 0.7 touchdowns per game all of his touchdowns scored in those first 10 games and when the offense kind of fell off fell off to a degree due to again i'm not i'm not an nfl analyst so i'm not going to fully fully speculate no not fully fully give context and quite frankly excuses to what happened to that cowboys offense but From an outsider perspective, it looked as though defenses realized with an inefficient run game and with an offensive line that could not protect against four, all they had to do was rush four and drop back. And that passing offense for the Cowboys really, really suffered due to it, as you guys can see from that fall off with CeeDee Lamb. And for me personally, the way I kind of look at it is we saw that glimpse, we saw that stretch of CeeDee Lamb being able to command targets and being able to be an elite fantasy football option. CeeDee Lamb with Amari Cooper gone, not a vacated targets argument, by the way, now has a prime opportunity to assume that flanker role on this team and be used at that offensive mismatch that the Cowboys quite simply drafted him for. They drafted him to be that Justin Jefferson. They drafted him to be that alpha wide receiver one offensive mismatch that whenever something is doubt on the offense, you can rely upon that player to get them through. I understand that it's more of a projection having cd lamb here and it's more of a projection putting him in the range i am but i'm a ceiling type of player if cd lamb hits his ceiling we could be talking about that next 18 19 20 plus ppr point per game score given the talent level given the change in offensive philosophy and given the usage we should see with cd lamb entering that prime third year breakout area
0: yeah, I think you can make the argument maybe that the offensive line could be a bit of a question mark. But the thing that I like about CeeDee Lamb and the Cowboys passing offense is that I think if we want to throw the word regression around, we can throw it around for the amount of turnovers that the Cowboys defense created last That's year. And the passing offense might have to pick up some more slack because there was games last year against the Washington Football uh, commanders or whatever that they like didn't throw the ball at all because they just generated so much uh, turnovers on defense that they were scoring on defense and stuff like that. So Uh, There's definitely a possibility that the defense isn't quite as good, especially without Randy Gregory and stuff. Uh, And the offense has to pick up the slack a little bit more.
1: Yeah. Combining that with the fact, as I kind of mentioned with potential added verticality with that change in offensive philosophy mixed with, as you said, the defense for the Cowboys was historically efficient in creating turnovers. As good as I think the defense will probably be, they'll probably be better from a sheer yards allowed and points allowed type of basis. Their turnover luck just simply can't roll like that year to year. And if the Cowboys want to win games, you have a franchise-level quarterback, you have a wide receiver to one talent in CeeDee Lamb, you're going to be uh, be needing to throw the ball more than you had to last year. Yeah, I mean, bet on young ascending players, developing into the elite players that their talent would dictate. That is exactly what CeeDee Lamb represents, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, it is a projection, like you said, but a, a pretty easy one to make, given what we know about CeeDee Lamb. Again, he was a little disappointing last year, but we can kind of again, explain it away a little bit. So a guy that you know obviously plays for my team, I'll go home and road, uh yeah. now. Mike Evans, wide receiver for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, jersey hanging right behind my head. Wide receiver 8, 19th overall in underdog fantasy. Evans' path to elite wide receiver seasons the past two years has been touchdowns. He scored 27 over the last two seasons with Tom Brady, and he's been highly efficient on his targets, but he's only commanded 109 and 114 targets the last two seasons, which is why a lot of people weren't in on Mike Evans last year. People were like, "Ah, oh, he's got to compete for targets with Godwin, Antonio Brown, and Rob Gronkowski. I'm just going to take Antonio Brown because he's the cheapest. While I expect Rob Gronkowski to return to the Bucks at some point this offseason and be on the team this season, Chris Godwin mm-hmm. tore his ACL in December, and he's a long shot to be on the team at least for the beginning of the season. And Antonio Brown is no longer on the team. So Mike Evans should be both the target leader for this team and the primary red zone threat of this offense and could lead to a scorching hot start to begin the season. I would not be shocked if this is the best statistical season of Mike Evans' career in year nine of his NFL career. He has 1,500 yards and 14 touchdowns in his range of outcomes, assuming Chris Godwin's going to be out for the first couple of weeks. And even when Chris Godwin comes back, it's just going to be Evans, Godwin and Gronk. It's less target competition than we had with Antonio Brown on the field last year, who was very efficient when he was on the field. So, I mean, another guy that it's just really easy to bet on, similar to what I said with Leonard Fournette, it's, we know this offense is going to be top of the NFL. We know Tom Brady's going to be good. We know the offensive line's good. We know they're going to move the ball on offense. Having the number one receiver and primary red zone threat is going to pay off
1: yeah i mean mike evans two three turn right now um yes please sign me up for that you are able to start a team with christian McCaffrey or one of these other receivers that we mentioned and still be able to get a guy like mike evans that has legitimate league winning type of upside we're talking i mean i mentioned with cd lamb who could be a league winning type of wide receiver mike evans despite being you know the older more boring type of pick He has that in his range of outcomes as well. So I love both of these wide receivers and getting them in the the mid-second round type of area, late second round type of area that we usually see given their ADP. Like, I'm all for it. Sign me up for CeeDee Lamb. Sign me up for Mike Evans. They are phenomenal wide receivers who should be locked in, loaded wide receiver one studs this upcoming year.
0: Yeah, again, it's not hard to squint and see either of these guys having a monster season. Another guy that maybe is too low uh, for most people, considering how good he was last year, Debo Samuel, wide receiver 7, 17th overall on underdog. I I don't think we're going to get a holdout from Debo Samuel. I'd be surprised if we did, because I think he's already been present at some of the team activities this offseason. But um, he's a guy that I think is going to be a little
1: divisive for people. If you want to argue, you know, Debo Samuel, wide receiver five, six, seven. Go ahead. Genuinely, I think this range is very, very subjective as a whole. But Debo Samuel will be our consensus eight wide receiver, seven, 17th overall in underdog fantasy. And the hate that I see for Debo Samuel, I just don't really get. He gets a lot of flack from people, you know, as being a product of Shanahan's system for the usage that we saw down the stretch, you know, getting the running back touches maybe that we saw down the stretch. But flat out, do not get it twisted. This guy is a phenomenal football player. You guys can see on the screen right now, but he averaged. 2.93 yards per route run second in the league behind cooper cup and 10.8 yards after catch per reception which led the nfl he is to put it simply a baller he had one of the most efficient seasons that we have seen in quite some time and from a real life perspective was probably a top three overall wide receiver in football him cooper cup devontae Adams were probably the three best wide receivers in football in this past season a concern as to why for us he's fallen here as eight isn't to say, you know, he's a bad football player. We want to fade him because we don't think, you know, he's going to be able to produce numbers. That has nothing to do with it. The problem that I kind of have and why he's my wide receiver eight is that he was so goddamn efficient last year. We're not even talking like elite efficiency. We're talking like galaxy level type of efficiency. Even if he falls to like an elite level, you're going to be happy. He's going to be, you know, 1200, 1250 yard type of wide receiver, but I don't think he's got top two overall 22 plus point per game in his range of outcomes anymore because I just don't see that sustain of being sustainable. 2.93 yards per route run, 10.8 yards after catch per reception. That's like all time great level status in terms of how efficient he was on a raw target total of 125 targets on what should be an offense that as much as we give Jimmy G. Flack, like I love Trey Lance. Expecting them to maintain that level of overall passing output from going Jimmy G to a second year, never started in the NFL quarterback and Trey Lance from a sheer passing volume standpoint is a little bit of a projection, especially when you're comparing, you know, Mike Evans catching passes from freaking Tom Brady and CeeDee Lamb catching passes from Dak Prescott.
0: Right. And not to mention the fact that some of the other guys were dealing with injuries. Brandon yeah. was in the doghouse at the beginning of last year. All three of those guys should be on the field competing for targets this year. And we do have Debo Samuel's history of getting injured as well, which we don't really want to hold against him too much. No. But the fact that he does take running back touches makes him a little bit more likely to get injured than some of the other wide receivers. So again, no problems with Debo Samuel, just a little bit more risky, I would say, than yeah. than Mike Evans, for example, and Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, anybody going ahead of him. Um, but uh, yeah, a guy that I'm still comfortable taking in the mid to late second round, early third round of my drafts. Uh, another guy that I'm very comfortable taking in that area is Tyree Kill wide receiver nine for us, wide receiver nine overall on uh, 20th overall on underdog fantasy. I think he's going to be a big time like uncertainty avoidance type of dude that people kind of steer away from because they're concerned that, and I, I rightfully so, Tua is a big time downgrade from Patrick Mahomes, but Tyreek wasn't a big play monster last year, and he hasn't really been since 2019. He was a target hog last year. He had 159 targets last year and 135 in 2020, and he smashed his previous high last year of 87 receptions with 111. In last season, I think Mike McDaniel is going to funnel this passing game between Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. And I think when you look at the San Francisco 49ers system, how it played out in San Francisco last year, if you think of Jimmy G's role in that offense, it was to distribute the ball to his playmakers, his yards after the catch guys, and that's what Tyreek and Jalen Waddle represent. And I'll take 150 uh, targets out of Tyreek because I think that's what he's going to get. And I know they're not coming from Patrick Mahomes anymore, so maybe the the big plays aren't nearly as much as they were. But it's not like Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense was scorching big plays every single week last year because Mm -hmm. there was a stretch of time where we were talking, like, are the Chiefs broken? Are they done? Like, everybody's playing cover two against them or whatever the narrative was, and they couldn't uh, generate big plays. I think that's what we're going to see out of Tyreek Hill. He's going to be a target hog over the middle, probably play in the slot a good portion of the time, but he's not necessarily going to be the same Tyreek that, that scorches 90 yard touchdowns every week.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's going to hurt going from Patrick Mahomes to two, to a turn to ball over as we like to call him. But uh, all jokes aside, it it will hurt with that quarterback play discrepancy. However, I mean, Tyreek Hill is still a goddamn baller. Mike, Mike McDaniel is a smart enough coach to understand that the two best players in this offense are Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Who's going to get the ball the most on this offense? Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. You mentioned 150, 155 targets is what I see for Tyreek Hill. And if you're giving a 4-2 speed type of player 150 plus targets, sign me up. He's going to be a top 10 wide receiver.
0: Yeah, again, not much we need to spend on Tyreek Hill. Everybody knows how good he is. He's been very fantasy relevant for a number of years. Number uh, Another guy that I think is going way, way, way disrespected right now is A.J. Brown. Wide receiver 11 off the board on underdog fantasy, 25th overall on underdog as well. I don't think that's necessarily disrespectful. I think it's just the narrative around A.J. Uh, AJ Brown that I don't like. A.J. Brown commands targets at an elite level. Ninth in the NFL in target share the le- each of the last two seasons, 25.9% and 27% target shares respectively. He goes from one of the most run-heavy offenses in the league to another run-heavy offense. I've kind of brought up this narrative already. The Tennessee Titans were one of the most run-heavy offenses in the league the last couple years that A.J. Brown's been there. The Eagles, from weeks one to seven last year, actually showed that they're capable of going pass-heavy. They ranked top 10 in the NFL in pass rate, not to mention that they are one of the fastest-paced offenses in the league, even despite being run-heavy last year. Everything they've done this offseason kind of reminds me of what we saw with Baltimore last year. They extended Dallas Goddard. They trade and extend A.J. Brown. I hope people don't catch on to this because I want A.J. Brown to stay a third round pick that I can get in you know, the early third round of my underdog drafts and in my redraft leagues as well because I think people don't realize, number one, A.J. Brown didn't get any worse at football. And number two, the situation really isn't that bleak. It's it's Jalen Hurts versus Ryan Tannehill. Jalen Hurts could take a step forward this year, become an efficient passer of the football. In terms of the offense, it's probably even a little bit better than Tennessee's because even though they're run heavy, it's not like they have a, a superstar running back that they're forcing the ball to like what Tennessee had. At least they have the ability to go pass heavy if that's what their weapons dictate. And I think that's what Nick Sirianni is trying to do with the Eagles passing offense this offseason.
1: I don't understand the narrative around AJ Brown. Like, Oh, you know, he's in a situation, you know, the Eagles didn't run the, or they didn't throw the ball down the stretch last year. They're going to run the ball, run the ball. It's a Simple but,
0: connection to make. You look at who threw the most pass attempts. It was not the Philadelphia Eagles. They were one of the lowest in terms of pass rate and total pass attempts. It's an easy connection to make, but again, it's not like he's going from the Buffalo bills
1: to the Philadelphia. Exactly. Eagles. Exactly. People are pretending like he's going from the Chiefs offense, from the Cowboys offense, from the Buccaneers offense, from the Bills offense that threw the ball all over the yard out of the wazoo last year. He's going from the freaking goddamn Tennessee Titans offense, and we're pretending like that's going to have a huge impact on his raw targets? Like, guys, use common sense. This is a 27-plus target share type of wide receiver who... Quite frankly, he's going to be in a better offense. Yes, you heard that. Better offense. Philadelphia Eagles are going to have a better offense this upcoming than the Titans have really ever posed with with AJ Brown's Tennessee Titan career. So the downside risk here only simply is, oh, maybe you know he's missed some time with lower body ailments. That's the only thing you could realistically argue. And maybe the
0: like, yeah, target competition argument. I'm not really worried about Devontae. Like I like Devontae Smith and I like Dallas Goddard at at their respective ADPs, but AJ Brown's the one they. Traded a first-round pick for him. They extended him to a massive extension. They know he's their one.
1: And as you said, they want to throw the ball. They tried to throw the ball last year. First seven weeks, you mentioned top 10 neutral pass three. Their idea is they want to be a more pass-centric type of offense. And we saw all the signs last year that pointed to Baltimore wanting to take that step with the running backs, getting her with uh, the selection of Rashad Bateman with everything we heard in the off season, Baltimore wanted to throw the ball and that came to fruition. We are seeing the exact telltale signs from the Philadelphia Eagles and people are still pretending like this is going to be a bottom three passing attempt, neutral passing attempt type of team. This is probably going to be a top 12 to 15 at worst. Type of passing offense, and if you're giving AJ Brown a 27% target share on a top 15 passing offense, like sign me up. This guy's going to get 130 targets, and he's going to be a top six overall wide receiver if that comes to fruition.
0: Yeah, and again, the the progression of Jalen Hurts, everybody's second year in the system. It's possible that this offense is even better than 12 to 15. It, it's possible that they take a big yes. time step, and they're one of the breakout offenses of the season, similar to what we saw from Cincinnati last year. So, uh yeah, I love AJ Brown currently at a, at his cost. I think he's going way way under the radar a guy that from a dynasty perspective, I think is probably one of the biggest buys in dynasty. And then from a re- uh, redraft perspective, I like his value there as well. So uh, with that being said, uh, just under 40 minutes of this video, if you guys enjoyed, hit the like button, comment any of your thoughts down below, subscribe to the channel. If you are new as well, as I said, at the beginning of the video, if you guys learn something in this video, you want to take it right into underdog draft, use the promo code FSE. When you sign up at first deposit and sign up, you get hundred percent on whatever you put in. So if you put in 50 bucks, you'll have a hundred on the site to play with. And as a thank you, for using our code, you get our dynasty rankings manifesto. That's all of our dynasty rankings, bucketed age, everything, positional, super flex, rookie one quarterback, all that stuff is included in that. And then when our redraft rankings manifesto drops on the weekend, you'll get that as well. So you'll be fully ready to go with all the rankings you could ask for if you're a first time depositor on underdog fantasy. So if that interests you, check out, uh, check out the links in the description, check out the Patreon as well. But With that being said, peace out. We'll talk to you soon.